Welcome into this Five Clubs conversation. I'm Gary Williams. I'm going to be joined in a moment by somebody who won a national championship in college. Also played in the final group of a major championship. And is somebody who holds a record on the Corn Ferry Tour that may never be broken. That person is Jason Gore. He has been with the USGA as the player advisor to the USGA and obviously the conduit to the to the players. Now he is taking on a senior vice president role as the player advisory to the commissioner on the PGA Tour. It's a huge opportunity and it's a huge job for somebody who is going back to a place where he made his living. Well, I'm interested to get his thoughts on all the changes in golf, why he took the USGA job and how quickly and why this job materialized with the PGA Tour. That's coming up right now. And with that, we welcome in a guy making a big transition from the USGA to the PGA Tour, Jason Gore. Jason, my friend, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know, it's interesting going back and, and looking at you making the choice to join the USGA. And at that time, I remember seeing you at, at Morgan Hoffman's charity event at Arcola. Um, and there was a level of excitement that you had about embarking on it. And I want to I start there. When you took that job, were there things about what it was that, that they wanted from you that you didn't quite understand then that you do now? Um, I think it was just, you know, they wanted to get somebody who has kind of walked the walk on the tour and know, knows the guys to let them know what the USGA does. I think it was just such a mystery, right? Of like, well, what do you guys even do over there? Where's all the money go? And why are we doing this and we don't ever see this and it's like well you know like the, the the parts that the usga gives with i mean even down to green section i mean i i don't know the hard numbers on it but even thinking about like how many world series and how many super bowls are been played on the grass the usga helped you know design and and, and grow and flourish down to like water conservation and everything and it's just like the outreach of the USGA with, with turf grass and with championships. And, and now, you know, with, with coming up with like team USA, I'm not sure what the official name of it is, but uh, you know, just, just bringing people into the game and, and just making sure, you know, through governance too, that the game is always protected for, you know, not just, not just today, but from a hundred years from now. And, and um, I think that was the message I was, I was, I was not cat, you know, tasked to, to do, but that was the message that the USGA wanted to get across to players and to basically let them know that we're listening, like that we do care what they think. And, um, you know, we're not just standing at arm's length saying, you know, like, you know, you bow to whatever we're saying. We're, it's not like that in the, in the USGA. They, it's a bunch of great people that play, you know, that, that love the game and are, you know, that play the game and, and live and breathe it. And, you know, like I always, I always laughed at, when the, the tour players, and I, I'm probably guilty, I'm not going to sit there and, and point fingers, but, you know, how, how is the game governed by a bunch of amateurs? Well, you know, they may not be as talented as the tour players are. Let's just stop there. But there's no way they don't love it as much. And that, to me, was, is, is the most important factor. Like, I don't care how you play. I care that you love and I care that you respect the game. And, and that's, that, that's what matters to me. And, and they do. And I just... I'm so thankful for all of my friends in there and everything they've kind of taught me. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to know what they do finally. And um, it's just, it's just a, a class organization that, that has the best intentions. You know, Jason, that whole thing about, you know, amateurs and, and amateurs telling professionals, I, I always found that to be ridiculous because, because you're an amateur golfer doesn't mean that you can't be an expert slash professional at whatever it is that you might do for the USGA. And as it applies to rules officials, they're experts on the rules. It doesn't mean that they have to be elite players. I, I always found that to be silly, the way that, that people projected that. And there are a number of players who did that. Did you, did you sense that there was a fracturing 
of the relationship between the elite player and the USJ in terms of the communication level? For sure, because I mean, like I always had Jeff Hall. Jeff Hall was my yeah. Walker Cup manager in 1997. That's how long I've known this guy. And if I ever had a question or, you know, a concern or even, you know, an issue, I'd call Jeff and I'd get an answer. But, you know, 99 players out of 100 probably didn't have that avenue. And, um, you know, that's just kind of why I wanted to be there. And I, I didn't have all the answers. I get calls all the time, calls all the time from players to be like, hey, dude, like, this happened here. And I'm like, I, I'm not a rules guy. And they're like, you work for the USGA? And I'm like, yes, but I know a guy. And um, I, I just I make a phone call to Thomas or, or Craig Winter or whoever, um, the, the, the rules experts, and I'd ask them a question, I'd get them an answer. And, and you know, it's, it's unbelievable how much I learned. Like, because I, I was, one of my first few weeks there, I wanted to go take the rules test. And I'm like, I want to find out how much I do know or how much I don't know. And then I come to find out the test was like three hours long. And I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, but like, it's just amazing all the, all the little intricacies of, of, of the rules of golf and, and, and all the, not even intricacies, the, the simplicities of it. Like, you're like, wow, that, I didn't know you could do that. Like, and I think in the, in the rules changes of 2019, it actually made it simpler and easier to understand, even though it's different than what, you know, Golfers don't like change and, you know, it's like, I want to keep my game the way it is. And so even though the game, the, the rules became simpler, more like, you know, concise, it was still difficult because it was a change, but, um, you know, like it was, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing that, that there was no avenue for tour players or elite amateurs or whoever, um, other than just calling the USGA. And, you know, it's like, you just put a name to a face or a face to a name, however you want to put it. Um, and give these players an avenue of, 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 of communication and to let them know we were listening. Like, hey, listen, this is what your concern is. Let's fix it. Let's, let's try to find a way to fix it. And if we can't fix it, you're going to get an explanation of why. And you're going to get a reason, like, you may not like it, but this, these are the facts. These are the truths. And um, that was really it. And I, you know, like, I think as a tour player for well, however many years it was, probably five too many, um, I was out there, but I could accept a no. I just wanted to know why, you know? And I think that was, that was, that was the reason why, because half the time, you know, it's like, I'm okay to admit that I'm wrong. Like, yeah, I may be out of my mind here, but um, I at least want to know why and make, like, give me the reasons and, and maybe, you know, maybe I'll get my arm around it. And if, you know, if not, then I'm just gonna have to live with it. But, um, you know, I think it was just, just the, the idea of having somebody there to talk to. And yeah. that's just what I tried to do, be available. Did, you know, everyone, and again, I, I was guilty of this. I was thinking, gosh, you know, he'll be the perfect guy because he, he's so approachable and every player will be willing to talk to him and he'll be willing to listen. But did you find a sense of responsibility to connect players to other people who are part of the organization? Like, hey, I, it's not just me. I think it's important for you to know this person. Um, did you try to open up the avenues for these top players to know people in the organization beyond just you as a player advisor. Um, was that something that, that you, you felt was a responsibility right away? Most, uh, most definitely. And, and like, I always kind of use this, this like very simplistic phrase in there. I just, I just wanted to humanize the organization. Like we weren't just a bunch of, you know, blue blazers and bow ties with dandruff on our, you know, on our shoulder pads. Right. Like, like these were people that love the game. And it was, it was one of those things where I just wanted them to know like, Hey man, we're human beings. Like we want to listen. And, and sometimes the, the humanization factor wasn't there. And, you know, to, to, to bring a Thomas or, um, you know, a John Bodenhammer or a Jeff Hall, or even a Mike Wan, like Mike Wan's amazing at this. And he's amazing at being a, a really like a human being and, you know, not that these guys weren't, don't get me wrong, but they just, they just didn't have the, like the avenue to, to become a human being. And, and, you know, it's, it's much easier. It's much more difficult to slap somebody in the face than to stab them in the back. And that's just what I wanted them to do was like, Hey, listen, like we're trying and we care about what you think and we want to make it better, but we're not going to do it by being, you know, with having a great chasm between us. So the closer we can work together, 
the better we can make it for you because we want to, we want to be the, the, the biggest and we want you to walk into a USGA event, whether it's the US Open, the women's senior amateur, I, I don't care, anywhere in there. I want these players to walk in and, and look around and well, go, wow, I made it. I've, no matter what I've done in my career, like I've, I've achieved something. And like that, that's just, you know, I got friends here that, that, you know, that are great players that never really, you know, like made it. But they, they identify it's like oh you know here's here's so and so and he played in the 2015 U.S. Open and like whoa like I mean this is a career defining thing just to even qualify for a USGA championship and um, you know that's but they they need to know that 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 we are human beings we are going to make mistakes but it's not going to be for a lack of effort and I just wanted them to kind of know that that you know the love for the game is is there and and um, you know we're we're going to mess up then it's not on purpose and we want to hear about it. We want to know, we want to know how to make it better. So that was, that was kind of our number one thing. You know, Jason, one of the things that happened immediately after the USGA hired you was every player without exception lauded the hire said it was, it was a home run. I know that's flattering and it's probably humbling as well. Why do you think that was the reaction? Was it, was it a very personal thing because they knew you or because it was something that was really needed. I was offering 50 bucks per player to say that. Um, no, I don't know. I think it's just kind of like, you know, I've been out there a long time. I've got a lot of friends and I, I, you know, it's like, I think it was just some knowing that they finally had somebody on their side, which is, which is probably false. You know, like I think the whole organization was on their side and it, it hurt when they, you know, when they had a couple of missteps in, in the previous years I got there, but I think it was just the idea of somebody on their side that can listen, they're comfortable to talk to, they're comfortable to curse in front of, you know, like, like you know, like they can just be themselves and knowing that I've been in the locker room and know like that I've walked the fairway with them and they, they know me on a different level than they would a per se Jeff Hall or, yeah. you know, Odenhammer. like I think it was just somebody that, that under that they, they believed understood what they're going through and, and, uh, it was just somebody they perceived that was on their side, and I was. And but you know, I wasn't the only one. And that's uh, just somebody who I, I always kind of joke about this, but I speak tour, and there's yeah. a certain like that's a different language, right? So um, you know, somebody would be like, "Yeah, man," and 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 admit, "Hey, you know what? We probably could do this better." Or you know, "What do we do great, and what can we do better?" And, and I think you know they knew that I would understand what they're talking about, and. Um, you know, if, I, if that's the case, then I'm, I'm super grateful for it. And they, you know, they were great to me. They are great to me. I shouldn't say words. I'm still here, but, um, but no, I think it was just somebody that they knew that they could trust and that knew that would listen and knew what they were talking about when they, when they, when they had a concern. Do you think that the, the position now in terms of who should fill it, and I'm not talking specifics, I'm not asking you to give me, you know, names, um, that the credentials in the background should have some similarities to the path that you've been on? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think there should be somebody who's walked the fairways of, of the PGA tour and, and um, you know, I, I would honestly like, and I always told this to John Bodenhammer and I said, you know, listen, I'm going to age out of this position. Like sooner or later, I'm not going to be the guy that walked down the fairway with him. I'm going to be the USGA guy who like, Oh dude, you play golf. You know, so I'm going to age out of that position. I think trying to get somebody younger in here who is, you know, who's who's walked the walk and can talk the talk and somebody who's very patient and uh, probably a lot more patient than I've ever been. But um, but it's tough to like, you know, when I was tasked to kind of find a lieutenant because I was going to move over to a little bit more of the course setup side because that's what I kind of bullied my way into because um, I loved it so much. Um, um, but it's tough to walk up to like a, a young tour player and be like, Hey bud, you know, you're not going to make it. And I'd like you to come work for me. <laughs> you know, So that right. was a, that was a little bit of an awkward like time I had to like figure it out. But uh, you know, the more we looked into it, uh, the more, the, 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 the more clear um, a certain somebody was. And I, I think you're going to see a, a really good announcement coming up very soon of a really well-liked person and, and they're going to be great. You know, about a month ago, I, I had Johnson Wagner in studio with me, and, and one of the things we were talking about was that I, I, we're both sitting there going, God, I don't understand why 
The PGA Tour does not have a position similar to the one that the USGA has uh, with, with Jason. And, and, that, and it wasn't just live. It wasn't just the turbulence that's going on right now in professional golf, but just that there is, there is somebody that, that should be in that position that has had that path that understands it as much as the executives and the people who run the PGA Tour are inside that ecosystem, they don't know it because they haven't done it the way that you have done it or somebody else. When did, when did this conversation with the PGA Tour and you start? Uh, it probably started, well, it actually started four weeks ago today. I mean, this came out of the blue. Um, Jay called me, I've known Jay forever. And, yeah. I mean, we played in a, um, a pro-am at, at Boston in 2007. And when he was still at Fenway Sports Group, yep. he was trying, trying to recruit me to come be a, uh, you know, come be one of his players when he was an agent. Yeah. So, um, and I, I, I said no. And, uh, and it wasn't because of Jay, it was just because, uh, I'll give you a bag, some, some context to this story. Like Ralph Cross, who was, who was, you know, my agent forever. And two weeks when we got our, our rings at Pepperdine, when we won the national championship in 1997, my dad walked up to him, shook his hand and said, he's all yours. Like, you know, my dad was, was, was pretty sarcastic and really darn funny. Um, so he kind of said, he's all yours. And two weeks later, my dad died of a heart attack. And I just, I just kind of always remember that. And Ralph always kind of took me into, like, I call Ralph dad now. Yeah. You know, dad, I need some advice. And I, I probably don't talk to him as much as I should, you know, but like, he's been a huge part of this process and I, I love the man. And like, I'd say, I could be like, all right, dad, I need you. And, you know, he's always there, but, um, so it wasn't anything against Jay. It was, it was just that I, sure. I'm, very, I'm a loyal human sometimes, um, every time, but as I'm talking to you about my job change, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I've always had great respect for Jay. I, um, I think he's a great, he's just a great guy. And, and uh, you know, obviously I'm a PGA tour guy and um, he called me up and, and told me kind of, you know, kind of broke it down a little bit and asked if I'd be interested. And um, it was the hardest decision I ever had to make. I gotta be honest with you. It was, uh, I don't even drink, right? Like yeah. my wife and I, my best friend went to AA 12 years ago and I just kind of quit with him slash for him. And I walked in one night, I went to our little liquor store right here. I popped out a hundred dollar bottle of wine. And I looked at my wife. I'm like, let's talk. And it was the first drink we had in like 12 years. Wow. And it was like, you know, super lightweights, but um, it was just one of those things. It's like, all right, we need to like, we're going to sit down. I think we stayed up to like four in the morning, just sipping on one bottle of wine from like 10, 8, 10 PM to 4 AM. So, I mean, by that time it was almost bad, but um <laughs> You know, but it was just one of those things like she's my best friend she's a high school sweetheart yeah like there's nobody i trust more than her but uh you know it was a, it was a family decision it wasn't it wasn't just about me because if it was about me like you know we have kids that go to school here and you know we got a son that's going to graduate high school here this year. he's a rising senior and her daughter's just getting into high school like there was a lot of moving parts and i just i love everybody at the usga i thought i would i'd be here till i i, I you know i died and sure um, it was uh, it was tough, but but coming down and, and listening to what's coming down the pipe and all the exciting things of of uh, you know what's happening with the PGA Tour and knowing I'm a PGA Tour guy and it just uh, it it was it seemed like it was the right time. It, it still doesn't make it easy. I mean, I kind of go through phases of where I'm like, what the heck did I do? Why did I do it? And I, I can't wait to do it. You know, so it's it's. Uh, there's still some things, you know, it's like I talk to, to Mike and Mike Juan and John Bodenhammer all the time still. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that, uh, that they're just, they're going to be friends for life. And, you know, it's, uh, they could have easily said, you know what, go away. And they didn't. And that just shows you what kind of guys they are and what kind of organization the USGA is. And, but that being said, I'm super excited. I cannot wait to get down there. Um, and this is going to be a heck of an adventure. What, um, what did Jay say to you in terms of, like, what does he need from you? He just wants me to tell the truth. And I think that was like the one thing, like I am sometimes brutally honest. Maybe I don't say it at the right times, but you always know what you're gonna get. And uh, he just said, there's, there's some mistruths that, that are being spoken. Um, and I want you to go um, explain to some of these players 
And it wasn't, it wasn't a talk them in or talk them out of something. It was just like, just tell them the truth. And, you know, they trust you. They like you. You've done good things for the USGA. And, of course, I had to say, like, well, I was just part of the team. I just happened to be there, right? Like, I mean, it was, that's, that's the truth there, too. And, um, but he's just like, I just want you to talk to them. I want, you know, they trust you. And um, I said, okay. Like, and that was really about it. He just wants, he just wants the players to know um, what's going on, whether it's Rory or whether it's uh, Peter Malnati or whoever. They just, they want to be like, I think the transparency part of the whole thing is, is what's important. And it's kind of like my job to go in and, and, and speak for the players and be that direct access to, to Jay. And, you know, some, he's a busy guy. So, um, you know, it's kind of my, my job to kind of bring in all these these suggestions, comments, questions, whatever, to Jay, and um, you know, offer some advice as as an ex tour player and how to make it better. And um, you know, we want to make the PGA Tour, if it's not already, by far the best place to play. And um, that's that's kind of what I'm excited about. You know, I, I was trying to think like what what is analogous to what it is that you're getting ready to do, and it's 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 not the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball because they're unionized. And people say, well, you know, the commissioner works for the owners in these other sports. And to a degree, the commissioner works for the players in your sport. And, and you're, not, you're not a union boss because you're not unionized. Um, and you work for the tour, but you're a player. Um, so I, I, when I'm thinking about, like, what it is that you've got to be, you've got to be the perfect balance creating this equilibrium between the tour office and that locker room. Is that fair? That, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I would kind of love, since we're not a union, but yeah, that's a, that's a perfect analogy. I would be a union boss if we were, if players were a union, I'm just, I'm making sure that the message is delivered. Yeah. Right. I think that's, we don't want anything lost in translation. I mean, I'll be taking a lot of notes and I'll be, you know, sending a lot of like emails full of notes to, to Jay and, and, and having these conversations with him directly, um, you know, I'm, I'm reporting directly to Jay and, and I think that's, that's fantastic. And I, I just think it's, nothing's going to get lost in translation or slip through the cracks. I think that's, that's kind of my job to make sure that, that even the little things matter. And, um, and it just, I'm going to be that avenue directly to the commissioner. You know, like I said, he's a busy guy. He's got a business to run. And uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on right now, and um, my job is to kind of uh, is to make that happen. You know, by extension, with what was going on, which started, you know, kind of building into a crescendo in the winter months with with Liv, because you're with the USGA, and and people are going, well, what is going to be the reaction of the governing bodies and the PGA of America as it applies to the major championships? I just wonder when you go back. To, to when the noise started to get very loud with Liv, what was your assessment of what was going on before any players had signed and how viable and how plausible this whole thing was going to be? Did you think this thing was going to get off the ground when this year started? Oh, man, I don't know what I, what I believe. I Honestly, like, I remember being at Riviera and just yeah. the, the air being so thick. Yes. Like, and everybody was on edge. Like, I kind of, like... My wife went to UCLA and I always talk about like, um, you know, like I remember her at midnight, yeah, like during finals week, everybody would open their windows at midnight and scream out the windows. And um, I kind of felt like that's what the players were doing at Riviera. Like it just felt like everybody needed to open a window and scream. Like the, it was so, the air was so thick with, with what was going on. And that's kind of, and then all of a sudden, you know, Dustin says, yeah. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm committing to a PGA tour and then Bryson does. And it's like, okay, wow, that was, that was really close. And, um, and then all of a sudden you kind of felt like it was face down in the water with just a couple bubbles coming up and boom, like here, here it comes back again. It was like, um, you know, but it just, it was so, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, and it's like, kind of like Tiger Woods, like you never want to put anything past the guy. You know, is he ever going to win a major? Well, no. Well, it's like, listen, I'm not going to ever underestimate that guy again, right? Like, so, um, you know, you just, I, I just gave you a huge word salad to tell you, I don't know. I didn't know. Like, I just, 
I was just kind of sitting there watching and, and you know, being in the USGA, I just, all I did was, was get popcorn. Like you just had to watch, like you really couldn't do anything. And, um, you know, we had a US Open to worry about and, and uh, that was kind of where I was at. Did you get, did, as, as the US Open approached and everyone's going, well, gosh, you know, the PGA is gonna have to make a decision first and then, and then the USGA is gonna be up next. Did players who were contemplating or did go to live, did some of them reach out directly to you to say, what, what is, what, where is your thinking? Where is the USGA's mind at on all this? Yeah, there was a few. There was a few, but, um, you know, they just asked kind of what we were going to do with the Open, and that was, that was pretty much it. I mean, I was super careful not to offer advice. Like, it's not my place. And, and you know, it's like I'm kind of like under the, the, the guise of like, Listen, you guys, it's your choice. It's your choice with your family. I can't offer you any advice on what to do or how to do it. Um, you know, I just kind of gave them the facts. It's, uh, you know, at that point, we were going to let them play in the U.S. Open. And and there was no reason to not, you know, like they had earned their right in. To, you know, they earned their exemption. They earned their right to play. And, um, and we weren't going to go changing the criteria because we didn't like what they were going to do. And, and you know, listen, it, the operative word in the, in the, in the U S open is open. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to like keep anybody out who's earned their rights to play. And, and uh, you know, that was just, that was my answer. Like, you know, the, I can't tell you how many times I actually said that the operative word in our title is open. And if you've earned your right, you've earned your right. So, and that's, that's, I think that's, I mean, it's obviously where we were this year. And, um, you know, that was, that was kind of the only thing I said. And, and I was super careful not to just sway one way or another because right. it, wasn't, it wasn't my, what, that wasn't what I was supposed to, you know, it wasn't my job. Like, they was just going to, I was going to answer the questions they had regarding the USGA, but, you know, it's their life. And I didn't want anybody to come back and be like, well, Gore told me to do it. It's like, dude, I did not. Yeah, you know, I was so super careful with that because, you know, I respect the PGA Tour, I respect the USGA, and and like I respect the players, and and like that that was their decision. Um, if this big pivot with respect to the immediate future of the PGA Tour did not happen, do you think that Jay would have had the impetus to reach out to you, whether it be you or anybody else, to create this position? Because this is this is a big change that's getting ready to happen here. Uh I would, I would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, gosh, how many tour players have actually worked for the PGA tour? Like as a staff member, I think I can only think of two others. I think Bill Calfee and, and Dean Beeman. Um, but a couple I don't know rules were, officials like yeah, Dillard. Rules officials. Yeah. Set up yeah, guys. Yeah. Uh, Rintoul. Yeah. Yep. But nobody has ever been staff. You know, right. Yeah, yeah. Full, full, like executive staff. Like, yeah other than Dean and, and Bill, but, um, you know, so it's been a while. Um, I think to put a, a member still, I mean, I'm still a card carrying member, a past champion and, and, um, you know, so I think it was a big move. I think it was, a, it was there was, you know, there were some players that kind of came up and said that, that, you know, we need somebody like that. And, and if they could get me, that'd be great. I, I guess, I don't know. That's what I've heard. I mean, yep. I can't say everybody cause I've only heard that from like two people, but, um, you know, I was just, I was honored that they, they thought of me that way. And they, they, you know, they, they see the job that I've tried to do at the USGA and, and, and they understood that I was, I was there. Like my phone, when my phone rang, I usually answered it unless I was on like 14 at Pine Valley. Right. So, um, <laughs> or Baltus Rollers, someplace like that, someplace I couldn't do it. But, um, but, uh, you know, like I was always open. I was open to having a conversation. I was opening to I, and basically all I try to do is listen, right? I mean, I can interject my thoughts and I can interject that, but, you know, I just wanted to listen. And, you know, like once I gathered all the facts and, and uh, then I, then I kind of gave my two cents, but, you know, there was a lot of times on tour where I just went to a player relations guy and just laid them out. And they're like, do you want me to do something about it? I'm like, no, I just wanted to yell at somebody and you were there. So thank you. I'm like, just go, you know, I feel better. I'm going to go back to practicing. Have a nice day. Right. Like that's just kind of, you have to understand that's just, you know, we're, we're not always, it's not personal. It's just sometimes yeah. you're there and you're going to get it. And, 
and I'm going to appreciate it. And we're going to laugh and, and, and high five each other next time we see each other. And, you know, it's like, I get that part, you know, I was there. And um, I think that's why some of these players, you know, trusted me. Cause it's like, all right, are you done? Like, can I go now? Like, <laughs> you feel better? Good. Can you flush the toilet and start over play well tomorrow? Good. Like, you know, I kind of did that with, there's a story out there. Well, it's not really a story because it happened uh, with Poulter and Mike Davis, you know, in 2019, I got, you know, two months into the job and I'm like, come on, Mike, let's go walk the range. Let's go. This was my way of humanizing him. Cause you know, a lot of people just thought that, you know, this guy's just out to ruin their day and he wasn't right. This is a good human being. And I walked up, I'm like, come on, let's go talk to Poulter. I know you had a rough time last year with Shinnecock. Like, let's go, let's go talk to Poulter. He's like, I'll say hi, but I don't want to talk to him. I'm like, well, you're kind of not going to have a choice if you go say hi, right? This is going to happen. So he walked up and the first thing Poulter does is put his finger in Mike's chest and starts doing this. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, at least, well, at least I don't have to like pack. I can, you know, at least I'm going to get fired quickly. Um, and then, uh, you know, at the end of it, they shook hands and everything was fine. And Poulter walked into player services and I pulled him back into my office and I looked at him like, you feel better? He's like, well, yeah, I said, good. Go play all this way. Go flush the toilet and start over. You know, like just, just let everything go, go play. It's over, right? Like start fresh. And, uh, that was kind of what I was trying to provide them. Like, all right, get it off your, get it off your chest. Let's, let's move on. Like what, what you have been perseverating on is really nothing. It's a, it's, it's a four minute conversation away from just being resolved and over. And now you can just move on with, you can start Thursday with a clean attitude and I'm not just doing it for the organization. I'm actually doing it for the player. Right? Like, let's, let's clean up your attitude. Let's, let's just, let's get it off your chest. Let's move on. And, uh, you know, like it was, I think that was important to them. Half the time they just wanted to be heard and, um, he was heard and, you know, like I said, they ended up shaking hands and everything was, you know, at least cool after that. I mean, it wasn't fine, but it was cool. Like, so that is just, you know, it was, it was a two way street for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tiger, uh, his role, I, I never in, in my life did I think that he would have such an intellectual and emotional investment in USA Golf, which he does now, uh, whether it be President's Cup, Ryder Cup. Um, and now on the administrative side and the vision and the construct uh, of the PGA Tour, I mean, he's, he is all in on this. H have you communicated with him since you were announced? I've talked to him a few times, yeah. I mean, we've been, by, we've been friends since we were 13 yep. years old we playing junior golf together. So. Um, yeah, I've talked to him a few times. Um, he is certainly, I think that president's cup a few years back when he was captain, I think really kind of like started to get some, some juices flowing for, yeah. for, you know, when he realized that, that, you know, it was, it was time for him to take the next step. And, uh, I mean, he's a sharp guy and, you know, like he thinks he's golf's constantly on his mind and he loves the game. He loves the, he loves the history. I mean, we all know about the Jack Nicholas poster and his, in his room with all of his accomplishments and, you know, just trying to check them off one at a time. And um, so we know that history matters to him. We know what the, what legacy means to him. And um, I think it's, uh, oh my gosh, Mike Wan's calling me right now. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, but uh, I think we all know that legacy and history matters and, uh, and it's going to be, you know, I think he, I think he really cares about the tour and I think he, I think he's got a vested interest in, like Charlie, right? I mean, I think Charlie wants the, he wants to have Charlie kind of follow in his footsteps, and he certainly has the opportunity to do so. And you know, you've seen his golf swing, yeah. So, um, I think uh, I think that means a lot to him, and uh, and I think he's going to try to to use every tool in his tool belt to to try to see what he can do to help the PGA Tour and to uh, you know to kind of take it to a, to put it into a proactive state and try to make it a little bit uh, more solid and a little better. These. Um... The idea, and it's more than an idea, it's going to happen, these elevated events, and, and in addition to players, the top players adding three other events, the major championships, and that's great. The idea of, of these guys getting together more often is what all fans want. Um, but the balance of the tour, and you know the razor-thin edge between being out there and being on the Corn Ferry Tour, um, do you feel like the, the guys who are good enough but are not at that level, that the entry point and the opportunity to penetrate that level, 
is is going to be attainable at a, at a reasonable level? Uh, I, I I would certainly hope so. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't want this to be. And listen, I'm I just learned about it a couple of days ago, like you. Like, yeah. I'm not I'm not there in yet to, yeah. to like get the inside scoop. So, I mean, technically, I'm still a USGA employee. So, um, I, I I hope so. I hope there is some volatility within um, within that to where you get guys fall off, guys come on based on how they're playing. So um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things that need to be ironed out. You know, like how does this cut, what, where are the points involved in this? Are they going to be bigger points? Are they going to be lesser points? Like I, I just, I kind of think right now, just as my first instinct, I would think that they should be closer in points. So you get guys that can fall off and guys that can move up. And, you know, like, I think there should be like fresh, fresh blood in those, in those, you know, these elite, these higher level tournaments. And, um, you know, and obviously the, the top guys are probably going to stay pretty stable. I just, I just don't want this to be a closed shop an old boys club kind of, so to speak. And, you know, I, I think it'd be an opportunity for these guys to, to like join and, 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 you know, kind of zipper in, mix up, mix it up a little bit. And, uh, I think it'd be great. There's so much young talent out there that, you know, I mean, I just keep thinking like we didn't know Cameron Young 18 months ago. No, we barely knew Will Zalatoris 24 months ago, or you know, 36 months ago, whatever. But uh, um, you know, so there is these, there is this young talent that's out there. I mean, they're just getting better, younger, faster. They just, you know, like they got all this information and they got all these things that that we didn't have. And I hate using that. Like back in my day, I hate being that guy, but, um, you know, like they're just, they're just smarter than we were. They're just better trained. And, um, you know, they got good young guys, probably going to probably be an aging old guy. And, and especially now, but, um, I don't know. I just think that, uh, I think it's important to get, to have that volatility and, and how that's going to work out. I, I need to get in there and, and, and listen a lot and, and, and try to help figure that, you know, See if there's a see if there's a right way to do it, and uh, you know I'm just not there yet. So, you know, one thing being at the U.S. Amateur last week, Jason, I talking to players, it was interesting to me that that most of them had PGA Tour U on their minds. Like, what do I got to do? The positioning, that transition, and and being as best positioned as they could be for that next step. Um, is that something that maybe needs to be expanded um, as far as, you know, I, I think it's great that a college player's accomplishments can give them an entry point on the Corn Ferry Tour. Does it maybe need to go a step higher? I, I would I would say that, once again, like, since I'm not there, I would certainly think it would be. I think it needs to be expanded. And I mean, I'm going to give context here. I like telling these stories. But, like, I'm a Dodger fan. Yeah. Right. They, they constantly have the best farm system and that's why they're probably the best team in baseball. Maybe I'm biased, but um, you know, it's like the, the, you, you have to, you have to nurture this, this farm system to, to, you know, to make the product better on the top end. And, and I would think the corn Ferry tour and the Latin American tour are certainly, you know, maybe farm system is not a great word, but like a, you know, the, the next fair. step, and yeah. that's fair, right? So, yeah. you know, like, you think you have to look after those to, to keep this young talent and PGA Tour University is part of that. And, and um, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to know before I start like spouting off all this random garbage, um, I'd like to know what they're thinking first. Um, I have some ideas. I think they really need to like, kind of look into to how do you, how do you incentivize these players to stay? And to realize that the PJ Tour is the place where they're going to leave their mark, and um, you know, and and uh, I certainly want to want to get some facts uh, sure. in before before I kind of like start going. Well, I think they should do this, and then I look like a complete moron because they already got it figured out. But um, which isn't hard to do. Um, so that that's just where I am. But yes, I definitely think that the PJ Tour, U, Corn Ferry Tour, and Latin America Tour needs to needs to be uh, needs to be studied and, and looked at and to see what the best avenue is to keep these young this young talent um, here and 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 play 
playing and, and, and growing and, and moving on, moving forward. Uh, by the way, you may have a great farm system. That $350 million payroll doesn't hurt either. Uh, I say that as a Yankee fan. Uh, we're at about 295. Uh, no, you're, it, 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 you're right. Uh, but I, I do want to point that out. All right, let me get you out of here on this. Bo- bo- I, bo- 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 here we go. Here we go. Who do they trade to get those guys? I mean, which guys? Freddie Freeman? Like, like Trey Turner. Well, no, we kind of stole Freddie Freeman. Um, but that's a, that's another story. But like Trey Turner when we had Scherzer. I mean, they're trading like like young farm system guy. Anyway. You're you're the you're the home for all the mercenaries now. It used to be the Yankees. Now they go to the Dodgers. All right, let me let, let me get you out of here. Let me get you out of here with these five quick questions. What is the thing you're going to miss most about my home state of New Jersey? Uh, the golf. The golf here is 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 stupid good. Stupid I mean, good. Like, stupid good. I mean, you know, there's places that are here that you never even heard of, like. I remember seeing them the first time in Arcola, and I'm like, I never even heard of this place, right? I got there, I'm like, holy smokes, this is like a top five, top 10 golf course I would play. It was fantastic. And every one of them, they're like, have you played here yet? Well, no. And they're like, oh my gosh, you got to play there. I mean, I played Mountain Ridge for the Met Open a couple yes. of years. This place is, is, is ridiculous. And I mean, just the topography in here, and, and you know, I'll miss, I'll miss my home club of Hamilton Farm and, you know, Baltusrol, where I've been playing a bunch lately. And, and it's just the golf here is, and the, and the people here are awesome. Like, you know, we live in like Gladstone, which is like a little 2,500 person town. And, you know, if the kids want to go, you know, like, Hey, go out front, you know, come. it was like when we grew up, it's like, come home when the streetlights come yeah. on, you know, it's just, it's just like such a hometown feeling. I was like, I always laugh with my wife about this. I'm like, you know, we both grew up in LA and it's like, we hate people. We like persons, but we hate people. It's like, I understand what my dad was saying when he like hate going to Disneyland and you, you look at me and he goes, son, just remember this. There's no such thing as fun for the whole family. And um, <laughs> I just kind of thought that was, that was funny because it's like, I didn't know what he was talking about. I'm like, dad, how are you not having fun? And now I get it. Like, you know, but, uh, you know, just, we, we love it here. This was, this was going to be our home forever. And like, I'm sitting right here right now. I'm like looking out and, you know, we have four acres and it's on the corner of all, you know, all the way at the end, nobody behind us. And it's like, gosh, man, I'm going to miss this. And, you know, kind of the point where like, well, do we become those people who summer in New Jersey and winter in Florida? You know, it's like, I always, I didn't know winter, I didn't know winter was a verb, um, but, uh, but uh, it's, uh, we're going to miss, we're going to miss the golf and the people and just, we, we love New Jersey. Yeah, it's, you know, the little towns, you go from town to town, you can cross into four different towns in 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. They all have their own little history, their own little identity. It's, it's a neat place. There's no doubt. All right. The best player you saw in all your years on the Corn Ferry Tour that never made it, for whatever reason, who's a guy who was really good and it just didn't happen? Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. I would have to probably say my old college teammate, Mike Walton. Um, we called him Cadillac. I mean, the guy was, like, so smooth. He was just... I mean, I've, you know, I've known him from, he was from Palm Desert and just the guy did everything good. And he, he, we went to Q school our first year. And I think in 97, he got full status and I'm like, oh dude, you're going to just kill it. Like, I mean, the guy never missed the center of the club face. And it's just, I don't, I don't know what happened. Like he just kind of, his biorhythms didn't play well at the right time to get his tour card. And like, he'd play well early in the year. Like he was a, he was a fall guy or, you know, he was a spring guy. I was a fall guy, right? Like I probably had half the talent, but I always seemed to play well right around Q school. Like I yeah. that was the end of the year. And that, like that, that does matter. I don't, you know, may sound asinine, but it's true. Like, but yeah, he was, I, I don't know how he made it. He was one of the greatest chippers I ever saw. He's one of the, he was, you know, he was a good, good enough putter. Like yeah. he wasn't a bad putter, but he was good enough and, and just drove it three ten down the middle of every fairway and, and, he, he, his irons made that special sound. Like you hear guys like, you know, hit it and you're like, well, that's, 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 that's different. And he yes. that. that was probably, that was probably the guy just, you sit there and you scratch your head. And you're like, I don't know how. All right. The, the last time you thought you could still play for a living. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday. I mean, you know, it's like, I, I, I had back surgery in 2020 and I just kind of 
think about it. Uh, you know, like I, I've got some speed back. I'm a kind of like a mid mid to high 170s ball speed guy. So I guess I still got it. And but I, I know enough to know enough. Like it's over. Like I, I've been. I actually said this to, to a couple of guys. Like I got into 3M what a month ago. Yeah. I'm like, listen, I should never play in another PGA tournament. I I I made that choice to like do something else. I'm 48, you know, I turned 48 in May. I mean, it's over. It's fine. And I'm totally good with that. But like, and there's a guy that, that plays at Hamilton farm is probably late sixties, early seventies who I, and he practices like crazy. And I'm like, Kenny, like you practice a lot. He goes, I just want to suck slower. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like that, that's, that's, that's a, that's a very elegant way to put it. And, and uh, um, like that's where I am. I'm I'm afraid to like shoot 80 and be happy. Like I still I still love the game. I still tend to like every day I wake up and I kind of feel like how am I gonna get better today? And you know, now instead of practicing, maybe the day I'm the, the way I'm gonna get better is by not touching a club for two weeks and letting whatever this pile of junk is like rest and relax and and um you know, so I still think about it, I still take lessons, I still like when I was going to California, when I go to California, I still work with, with Dana there. And, you know, it's called Drew Steckle all the time. Like I'm, I want to learn, I want to be better. And, and I, I'm still, I'm still just absolutely in love with the game. And, um, you know, like this was part of the hard thing with, you know, going to the PGA tour was kind of, I maybe had to give up my champions tour dream. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, like I had a chance, I did it. I gave it my all. And, um, you know, like I'm good. I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy being home. I'm happy, like being more available. I'm, I'm you know, it's just trying to not be being a professional golfer is selfish. It, it really is. And, you know, it's like all of a sudden now I look up and now our son's going to be 18 next month. And it's like, what happened? And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I, I'm good. I still think I can, but I know I can't, you know what I mean? Like I, I still kind of keep that hope of like, you know, like, and I know I still got it. I had a buddy of mine who you walked up to on the first tee and said to me the other day, he goes, you're going down. And I said, am I? And I threw 63 at him and I walked over to him, shook his hands. And this, this goes back to my, to your Harold Varner about me, you know, talking smack when Harold said I was a great tech smack talker. And I said, Hey, Hey, Hey buddy. Like if you were that good, they'd pay you. And then I was it. I shook his hand and left. Like, like, you know, and he's a top amateur. Like it's uh it's uh you know it was Marcus Stanza actually who finished yeah. the runner up there like great guy I mean do you want to talk about just the best guy ever to be around and uh, you know he just started talking smack on the first tee and I'm like all right but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna engage today and they shot 63 on him and shook his hand and said uh, yeah man if you were that good they'd pay you that is fantastic all right what is <laughs> what is the greatest shot you've ever seen in person oh man um. Probably the one that left the biggest mark, and this was back in Tiger was, was still playing at Riviera. Yeah, and I I was one of those guys that stood on the first tee, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna play with Tiger today. So I got there at like 5:45, and I'm waiting for him, and he shows up, and we get to 12, and he hits this this six iron, and what was it 10, 11, 12, 13, and it made this sound. And I'm a as you can tell, I'm a big audio guy. Like yeah. I, he hit this, this, he made this sound and this ball took off and he barely just clipped the grass on that, on that, uh, Kikuya grass and just took off on this pattern, like this, this trajectory. And I just looked at him and went like, yeah, I'm never going to hit that. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have that. And it went up there to like, like this far. And I just looked at him and I just shook my head and I'm like, it was at that point. I'm like, I can't beat this guy. And he did that all the time. And like, it was just, it was just, the ball had purpose. It had, it just, it was like a two yard draw to a front left pin. I mean, like, if you ever just imagine, like, this is the last shot I ever want to hit in my life. Yes. It probably, and it was in a practice round. Right, like, it right. Was, like, it was just, that's the one I just stick out. Like, yeah, I, I'm never going to beat this guy. And uh, it was, uh, it was, it was special. Just, it, it's one that rings through your bones, but um yeah, I, I love that. I love that term. It had purpose. I, you know, that, you know, I remember when Azinger played with him in 97 at the Masters and he said, you know, the contact has such integrity. Like there was nothing compromising at all 
about no. about contact. All right, last thing: the TV show you watch that is embarrassing to admit. <laughs> well, we've already talked about the Dodger games. Um, is it embarrassing to say I would stay up to about one o'clock in the no, morning? No, no, God, I, I respect no, the hell out of that. We don't really watch TVs. I mean, that, that that's that's the thing is like, um, like I, 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 if I had half a brain, which I don't, I would just not read scores and I'd come home at five o'clock and watch the previous, previous night's game. Because, you know, on the East Coast, they start at 10. 10 yeah, it's rough. 10. It's rough, but darn it, I mean... You, I, I do it. I stay up and watch every one of them and, and come home, take a nap until the Dodger game, you know, like wake up at seven. So I'm like, get about five, six hours of sleep, wake up, come home, like pass out on the couch for just a smidge and then watch the Dodger. Game. Like I, I just, I'm a baseball guy. Like I love like the little unwritten rules in baseball and it's, it's kind of gotten away from it. Like I grew up with like watching Nolan Ryan or Clemens oh, or yeah. something where, where they would throw at their mom if she crowded the plate. You know, if you if you made a bat flip, you were getting one in the ear hole next time you're up. And um, like, I, I love that part of it. And it's kind of it's kind of gone away. But, you know, it's like the one piece that I still have with my dad. Like, I remember him going to I remember going to Dodger Stadium and bringing the transistor radio. And I think that's why Vin Scully's passing was like, oh, man, like, right. Just one little piece of your childhood. That's, yeah, that's gone, you know, and we used to go there and all you'd hear is the transistor radios throughout the stadium. And it was like, like those moments were, were super special. And like, I think it's just a, like a little piece of like kind of hanging out with, with, with my dad. I mean, that guy was, that guy was awesome and um, lost him way too young, but um, it was like that just one little piece. Cause I know that's what he'd be doing. So there I am, you know, he'd be, I don't know if he'd be doing it on the East coast, but he'd be doing it on the West coast and, and sitting down and, and watching the Dodger game or listening to the Dodger game. And half the time I'll even listen to it. I'll just sit in bed and listen to Charlie Steiner and, Rick Monday, you know, just, right. just, then it's, it's, I don't know what it is. I, I'm just a maniac, but I, I just love it. Well, listen, I, I really value the time. I appreciate you doing this. Very happy for you. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to, to, to hear your thoughts as you progress on what you need to do and what you want to do and, and what you're hearing from, you know, these players. And I love how you use Peter Malnati. He's always the guy. It's like Rory and then the rank and file. Peter's like the perfect guy to mention. He's like, he is, he is Mr. Rank and file. He, he, and he's such a great guy. Yes, I, he is. I, I brought, I brought him up because I know he's on the pack and I know he's yep. got a big voice and, and he's, uh, he's just a great, great guy to, to, to represent because he's not afraid. And you know, like, that's what the tour kind of needs. Like, Hey, you know, I'm here too. And, and, um, but, uh, you know, I wasn't picking on him. I was actually trying to pay him a compliment. Oh, I know so. you were. I know you were. <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks, Gary. It's been an honor to be on the show. Well, really appreciate Jason taking the time. I, I think it's going to be very interesting as he progresses and as soon as he starts because so much is changing on, on the PGA Tour. And I'm guessing he's going to have more conversations with the rank-and-file guys knowing the uncertainty of how much they're going to get into these elite events as the tour kind of makes this big change between those events and the rest of the events. And we don't even know what it's all going to look like, but I really appreciate his time. And most importantly, we appreciate your time. We'll see you next time on this five clubs conversation. Five clubs conversation.